0: We gotta change. Something has to change. Welcome to another episode of How I Discovered
1: change. My Gift with yours truly, change. David D. Simons. Can't happen. It's so it's honored to have our guest ends. for today, Mr. D. Dominique Landry of CGM Philly. Let's read his bio so and understand the caliber of wisdom we're going to be getting today. <laughs> You, you guys have no idea, Richard, but um, I just know this is going to be one of those episodes that you're going to want to repeat and rewind and listen. Because this brother is full of wisdom, insight, and understanding in life and business. I think he's a philosopher, <laughs> but, but, but a philosopher that can actually actuate. You know, a lot of people like to think and they don't do anything. But this brother likes to think and act. So <laughs> <laughs> So, let me read Dominique's bio. Uh, Dominique Landry is the co-founder at, of Common Ground Management Incorporated, a Philadelphia-based managerial firm that assists entrepreneurs and companies across the country with business development. He's a 2008 graduate of St. Joseph's University with a bachelor's degree in business management, Dominic Landry has also spent the past decade in business development services for large corporate companies and startup entrepreneurs. Dom, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thank you so much.
1: I'm I'm so honored, man. So let's let's start with 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 your journey, man. T- take us through. I, I, I've had the privilege of hearing about your journey.
0: Yeah.
1: I want the listeners. It's, as much as possible Take us through from childhood okay. Into into entrepreneurship
0: Okay, thanks uh, So um, Pleasure to be on the show Yeah, so that I means you want to go back I, You know, my My dad and mom They had me in 80, 1986 My father was in the military So I was actually born in Germany um, On a military base um, My dad was in the army That was around the time of the Gulf War, so he was always, you know, being deployed down the the Persian Gulf, things of that nature. So around, like, five, we moved back to the States, and, you know, his dad passed away, and um, so we came back so he could, you know, support his family. And um, at that point, it was just, you know, moving from place to place for a few years, but I thought it was really, you know, looking back on it, I thought it was a good experience because... At an early age, by the time I was eight or nine, I got to experience like a lot of different people, a lot of different places, um, how people engage one another, all different ages, different races, things of that nature. So um, I thought that was a good foundation for me to kind of go on and kind of do what we do today. You know, we I'm, I'm in contact with a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds. So that early foundation of moving, being transient you know having to deal with um, some of the things we had to deal with you know with a lot of death in the family at that time too Um, one of the big things I realized was that you know time is short it's precious and people um, they come and go Uh, so you know you when you're young and you have friends and you lose them because you're moving you know you, you, you begin to develop the ability to adapt really quickly and so again, some people are fortunate to live around the same people for all their lives, and it's a different perspective. It gives you a different value set. Um, but I think for me, it was something that I I've used to to my advantage, like you know, over the years, especially being an entrepreneur. You gotta get you gotta be able to adapt really quickly to things. So, um, but yeah, as as a young person, you know, in elementary school, I went to four different schools. Um, Again, it was a good experience. And then going into middle school and high school, being able to kind of settle in and have that background of really understanding tendencies and traits. Even though you can be a different person, we all pretty much have like a set of traits and tendencies that uh, that helped me kind of prepare myself for, you know, predicaments that I would get in as I was older. Um, Being foolish and Inquisitive, I guess you could say, or entrepreneurial, um, and you know, kind of getting into my groove. I, I was, I was fortunate to have somebody tell me. Um, I was sixteen. I was fortunate to have a coach. I was playing. Ba- I was a basketball player, football player. I was fortunate to have a coach tell me, like, hey, you know, I understand there's things going on at your school with the coaches, and you know, you guys want to be seen out of eye, but you know, play a different sport you know, don't just be out here in the streets, like, do something. And for somebody to see that, and you, you know, it wasn't a guy that I was really particularly close to. I was playing for a summer team, summer league team. Um, But to have somebody say that to me, you know, kind of stuck with me. and I was able to, like, start playing soccer at that time at 17, um, which... The reason I'm, I'll say it, I said it a thousand times, the reason I'm here today. If it wasn't for that, you know, we wouldn't be at this table. I think it really just opened up a whole new world of opportunities for me. Um, Albeit it was late for me to start playing, but it happened at the nick of time. And it didn't get me into St. Joe's, but it got me into St. Joe's. I I didn't go to St. Joe's to play soccer. I, I was already in based on like some PSAT scores, but... I wouldn't have made it to campus had it not been like, okay, now my time is dedicated to playing soccer and kind of using using that to springboard and get out of some of the circles I was in. And they weren't bad guys. It was just, you know, we were... Um, some of them were incarcerated and some of them were doing things that we weren't supposed to do. But it, it took me out of that scenario and um, got me got me to St. Joe's campus, which is... Another eye-opener. Um, that's where I got the bug for... Well, I got the bug for entrepreneurship, kind of in, in senior year of high school, but St. Joe's is where it became a thing. I had a guy, like, kind of show me around um, places that, you know, as a 16-, 17-year-old kid, you're not going to go downtown looking at five-star restaurants, right? But this guy, John Neal, he told me, hey, let me take you around, let me show you what... uh what you, what you could do, and uh, at that age, you know, it was 2004, 2005, you think only like rappers like Jay and, and Diddy can own multiple restaurants and this, do that, he showed me restaurants owned by a normal guy, you know, a regular guy, and they're Center City, Philly, five-star restaurants, and that's when I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do, you know, I want to do this. And I want to do it here, um, so it was it, w- it was these little pockets of space and opportunity that I like to say that I my one thing is I've always been a good listener, not just to words, but to like space and opportunity. So I take advantage of those things and and let them take me along the way, like a like a, like a wave. So we kind of just dove into that. You know, that was the plan and I stopped playing soccer. I was playing on the on the Division I team at St. Joe's. I stopped after my sophomore year, going to my junior year, after my mom passed away. And uh, really started focusing just on school and business management was my was my concentration. And my stepbrother was at, at the school and we had a friend that we were working with and we all kind of decided, hey, let's double down on trying to get a business started, and
1: here we are. Wow. Yeah. What a journey, man. So I know a few pieces to the story that um, kind of helped in the motivation and and the journey. Um, And if you could take us through, there's a pivotal moment um, where you talked about where your life could have gone one direction, Mm -hmm. and it was something that your mom had said to you. And and she was a big motivator for you Mm -hmm. And you had told me about That scenario Where a bunch of guys And somebody had a
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah So it was So that was the Fall before I started playing soccer So it was October Sorry, October Going into November um, 2003 And um, You know The guys I I just kind of hung with and, you know, we were, at that time, particular time, we weren't really doing anything, but it just so happened that one of them had just got a gun that was um, 22 caliber, and there was no clipping, it just, like, went in the head, and, you know, of course, being young and dumb, he's like, yo, I just got this, you know, I'm about to do damage with this drone, we like, man, we can get out of here, but he went into the store, and so he I took it from him and said, I'll hold it for you. We went into the store. And at that time, it's probably like 10 of us on the corner. And I guess somebody called the cops because it was, you know, a lot of us on the corner. And uh, the cops came around and, you know, I was never a smoker or a drinker. My, my friends were, but... And they had been smoking they had been drinking and we're all underage, of course. Um, so the cops had all... Every right to, on just... Um, what do you call it? Um, probable cause. The cops had every right for probable cause to search us, do whatever they want to do. Because, you know, the paraphernalia was in the air, things like that. But they just gave us a warning and said, hey, when we come back around, just don't be here. And for me, that was just like, again, one of those pockets of time. Like, I don't need to be told something twice, you know? So, you know, headed back, headed back home. Uh, a friend of mine, Will, yeah, this, like, Chrysler... It was his mom's van, this Chrysler van that we always rode around in all the time. And heading back to the house, it was just like, all right, this could have been a different way. You know, you could have been um, locked up, having to call, call the crib, having your mom come post bail, bond. And, and that was always a thing that was... I was never really scared of anything. But I didn't want to ever be caused disappointment, you know, like, I just felt like it would crush my mother. She, you know, she was raising me by herself, um, with no help. Family was, you know, states away. She's originally from El Paso, Texas, so, you know, and she was, her mother left her and her grandmother raised her, so she dealt with that type of, you know, abandonment, um, since she was a child, so she always made it a point to kind of be sturdy for me, and so... That night, that's when I made the decision. Like, all right, whatever I do here from here on, I was already admitted into St. Joe's based off PSAT scores. My grades weren't overly that good, but my PSAT was kind of high. So it was like, all right, either you're gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. And that was kind of the motivation to take heed from what the coach had told me that some just the summer before. Like, I'll do something else. You know what I mean? So that was like. It was just a call. I was like, "Look, this is this is your one warning shot. After that, you know, it could be anything, anywhere." And no, and um gun possession is already seven years, three to seven. No telling if there's a body on it. No telling what. So you minimum three to seven. I just so happened to kind of evade that at uh at, at seventeen. So it was. It was
1: Fortuitous. But again, I, I took advantage of the of the call. To... Wow. And, and not, not many young men um, make that transition and shift. And you you did. And, you know, that that's a awesome. That's awesome. So glad that you did. And now you're an example to so many others. I know you still mentor mm-hmm. young people in soccer and, and all those things. But let's get into let's get into your gift. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> And I, I believe you're a man of many talents. You're, you're, you're a humble man, and you probably won't admit to being multi-talented. But um, <laughs> what what is your gift, and, and if you had to distill it, Any if you have multiple that you want to share, feel free. Mm-hmm. And and what is that gift, and and how did you how did you find it?
0: I mean, well, I'll, I'll be the first to say I think everybody has like innate talents and innate gifts. So I don't think it's You know, um, only in a group of people think everybody has a genius that they could tap into. It depends on if you want to tap into it. I think for me, it's just my ability to listen um, and my ability to like think things out as far as I can think them out. You know, one of my um, long time ago, man. I try not to say names on wax, but, you know, statute of limitations, I guess, is cool. I'll just call him... We call him Pooh Bear back in the day, so I'll just go with that. So Pooh Bear, who was younger than me, we were sitting we were sitting in the park one day, and we were talking about... We never really chatted. It was always action. Not in, like, physical altercations, but we always just see each other in the mix. So it wasn't a lot of time to chat. But Pooh was, like was interesting because he was younger than me but he always had an older presence not than me but just all of us um and he said one thing that always stuck with me since he said it because you never really know what people what people think about you and what they see but we were having a pretty good conversation about a young lady and he was just like I'm cool with her being with you because you the type of person that Essentially he was like You're the type of person That I would like to be You know The difference between me and you is I do You think Then you do So you always the one That's going to keep Keep everybody Like pretty much safe For example So you know Listening to somebody Tell you that They're 14 You're 15 You're like, I'm like I don't Like how did you even Come to that conclusion You know But it was one of those Rare moments Where we actually Were just one on one There was nobody else around And you know, he was able to find it in himself to say that to me. And I was always me, though. Like, I was always... Like, I don't know if it's because I was the only child biologically for my mom and it was just me and her that, that I spent a lot of time by myself, like, just planning, processing. I don't know if that played a, played a large part in it, but, you know, to have somebody tell you that at 15... while well, I was 15, he was younger. And in the context of, you know, how we lived our lives at that time... It always stuck with me. So I think that that was just a testament of me being able to listen and me being able to, like, plan and process things. And I didn't know people looked at me like that, but somehow, some way, he saw that, even in the midst of what we were all doing, you know. Nice.
1: So when did you realize, okay, you, you, you heard from Pooh, he's kind of breaking some things down to you and something that stuck with mm-hmm. you. Um, the listening part because I think that's a very underrated thing, you yeah, know, in underrated. our society. Yeah. And it's a very powerful thing. So, mm-hmm. when did you realize your ability to listen? Mm-hmm. And how have you leveraged that ability to listen?
0: When did I realize? I think I realized it um, really, really, really early. I think. Um, If I had to pinpoint a specific time, I would probably say... Um... There was this... Sorry. There was this um, instance. I was maybe... Maybe like six or seven. And a friend of mine, his dad got deployed to Atlanta. Um... Old Georgia. I don't know if it was Atlanta, but Georgia. And so, at that point, just realizing like being sad that is like my best friend Chris who's about to like I don't know where Georgia is. I'm six, but <laughs> but I know it's not here, right? So just like understanding like okay, something's about to happen, and you're you're gonna leave and. Being like remembering feeling like mad and even feeling probably mad at, at him a little bit and then kinda like sitting back and saying like there's nothing that he could do about it, there's nothing that you can do about it, but what are the opportunities that can come out or come about, you know, going forward? Like how are you gonna just sit here and be mad about it, or are you gonna like grow from it And it's like having those types of thoughts At like an early age Just kind of listening to You know yourself and But also listening to like the environment And saying like I mean there's nothing to really be mad about There's nothing that either you can control This situation You know and Because again I've already I've already had done that I've already had moved twice at that point You know so I think that's like the first Part of Me remembering like Sitting back and kind of just being outside of my own feelings, my own like wants, and then just kind of listening to what's going on and, and being a person that could um, be empathetic to
1: like things that are happening like around me. So nice. So when you when you grew up in this environment you, you, you decided you know what I'm gonna go into entrepreneurship mm. and and use your talents to um, find people uh, help people in so many ways but today you, you guys do a lot of great things in business formation and all these kind of things but I don't think you you knew quite exactly the path talk, talk to us um, talk to us about the journey of you know your development because yeah, I, yeah. I believe that everybody goes through a process mm. you discover the gift you discovered you discovered your your the the bug for entrepreneurship, okay. and then you got into it. And so, talk to us about that journey about entre- into entrepreneurship.
0: Well, I think the uh, the first thing for me was um, obviously rap music. I think rap music not as a not as a bad construct, but just rap music as a conduit to opportunity you know, just kind of painted a picture for everybody, I think, my age, my generation. Because before, before, like, Jay and, and Diddy and Big, you can kind of say, and, like, Dre and all those guys, rappers weren't business people. They were, like, more storytellers, yeah. entertainers. They were entertainers, but it was more about, like, LL Cool J wasn't talking about like owning stuff. He was just making good music. And so I think we came up in an era where you can hear Jay, I mean, you can hear Jay say stuff like, you know, I'd rather die enormous than live dormant. Or, you know, the only way we're going to get out of this scenario is by like playing sports or being an entertainer. But now I want to do it another way Like these are songs These are lyrics from his first album Which I I would go to sleep with You know Nas' first album Illmatic I would go to sleep too And so I never really understood What Jay was saying Until I started making money And You know We would make money in school I would go different places And make money Then I realized like My mom ask me Where I'm getting this money from (laughs) <laughs> so, so then I was like, all right, let me go get a job. So, it's, you know, it looks like I'm getting the money that way, which I was making money that way, but that was really just to, again, not be conspicuous. So, by the time I was like 16, you know, I, I landed a job at like Burger King, and that was the first entree into like customer service, and that's when I was like, oh, this all makes sense. Like, it, it's, you know, I was really, like, it was really easy to do the Burger King job. You know, like, have it your way was the slogan. and it, But I, I saw, like, how you deal with people from the manager. I still remember this guy's name, Jeff, to people that I work with. And that was that was the mix, the mix of, like, some external motivation, but not really understanding that it was motivation to do it. Just like, hey, this is the, this is the, this is what's driving my life. I didn't really, my dad is still alive, but he wasn't in the house. So to hear, you know, somebody like a Jay say, you know, no matter if it's sunny outside, you know, you could, or rainy, you could be hydroplaning, but just like maintain, you know, never, never, Never brag about your position or feel bad about your position. Just like, if anybody asks you anything, just maintain, do your thing. You know, keep grinding. And that's Those are the words that kind of drove me through from 13 to 16, 17. And so, being an entrepreneur was almost basically embedded in our culture at that time. We didn't know what it meant, but we knew that it was something that people were talking about. And <clears throat> It felt good to like kinda of take my mom out every weekend. Buy her lunch, buy her coats, buy her this, buy her that. And that was that's how I kinda of got into it. And then again, it's always been this balance of opportunity and and foresight. Well not foresight, but opportunity and on both sides of the fence. So we actually had this class, we had a marketing class in high school with Ms. Thomas. Me and my, one of my good friends, Manny, we took it and we thought, you know, we just thought it was a good good class to go on because that was the room the computers were in. <laughs> so you could be on Yahoo or whatever, AOL, whatever was on at that time. But we actually learned some stuff in it too. But it was all kind of second nature to me because of what I was already accustomed to doing. And then after that, we had management with Mr. Bass the next year. And that's when it was all like, it just all coalesced at the same time. You know, the soccer, taking business management, doing this. Miss Miss Thomas and Mr. Bass, they ran this organization called DECA. Not the organization, but the chapter that was in our school. And they said, yo, you should really like do this competition. So we did this competition and I got first place in like four different categories. Wow. Yeah, and it was just like basically like one of the categories was, like, you opened up a store in the mall. How do you do this? And they just ask you a series of questions. And you just do this, this, and that, and that. And I got first place in, like, like I said, four different categories. And it was, to me, it was all common sense stuff. But, you know, Miss Thomas and Mr. Bass were like, wow, this is, like, pretty impressive, you know, that she was able to do that. I was like, oh, I wow, I mean, that's how you just treat people, right? Isn't that it? So the, the only other time that ever happened was like when I was in eighth grade, and they had the eighth grade ceremonies, and you know I'm getting like all these awards and all the classes and you know, presidential for athletic performance, and nobody nobody knew that this is what you do all year, but to me it was just all kind of just like second nature, and even my mom didn't know that I was going to be awarded with all those things. So the 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 Marketing class, the management class, DECA, Jay, hustling like all of that was mm-hmm. all ingredients into you know, like everything was just pointing to like entrepreneurship for me at an early age. Wow, man! Yeah. So,
1: so I, I know there are young people probably listening to this show right now and they're probably still hustling. And when we talk about hustling, uh, just to break it down all the way, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Paraphernalia, drugs, yeah, drug hustler, right? Drug dealer, right? Yeah, yeah, drug dealer, right? Yeah. So a, a, I know a lot of young entrepreneurs that you know um, they 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 don't realize that the the, the drug dealers, the jays of the world, the the, mm-hmm. the of the world, those people they really had they really have the business minds, yeah. and, and you have to be good in business. Though it's a ski mask way, it's the it's not the. It's not, the, it's not the way we advocate to, to, to do business. There's a lot of principles. So could you just speak to the to the young people listening that, that may, may be still in the game yeah. and, and, and how they can turn that hustle into a legal hustle like you have mm-hmm. and all of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, for, for us, for me, um, I mean, just seeing guys that I knew was smarter than me, that I knew were more talented than me, I mean, a friend of mine, uh, T, was a genius at math. Genius. I mean, he didn't he didn't need a pen or paper to do equate, you know, algebraic expressions. None of that. But he just never went to school. You know, he was he he was the cook, right? So he was doing the stuff. He was at home all the time. But. It makes sense, right? I mean, he, he could do like chemistry, math, all that stuff. He could do it in his head. So to Pooh's point, it was I was on. I was one of the people that could actually like stop and think about opportunities in a different way, and um, that's the key. I mean, I, you can you can think short sighted, and like the short money is cool, but. At that time, it wasn't like we was making crazy money. It was just enough for like a 16-year-old to go to the mall every weekend and get, you know, Jordan's. Like, that was retro, right? And so, I mean, the, the dopest thing that I ever did to this day, to me, was give my mom money to go get me a pair of eights while I was taking the SAT. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to that. me, I was, I was like, she's like, you going to take the SAT? I'm like, I'm only going to take it if you go and, go to Foot Locker, stand in line and give me the eights. Here, go to Bread. Right I think to me That was like The the dopest thing I could ever Like 16? I could Yeah I could ever do Like huh hey. a Lamborghini
1: at 16 Yeah like
0: Huh here go to Like if you go to Foot Locker And stand in line for me I will go take the SAT And so That's I mean that's I felt like I was the man But at the end of the day um, The talents that We all have Are shown and displayed In different ways And you know, I was just a guy that was that people could trust, and so that was my position I plead. And um, I've seen guys more talented than me like fall prey to just not having the ability to see around and you know, making this particular um, money this way. And again, maybe it was just because I paid attention to certain signs that were shown to all of us, but it just they just resonated more with me. So I would I would say to anybody that's thinking that they have to do it one way, um, you every time every time you step out of the door, you have a world full of opportunity. Just remember, like you literally step into the world, and everybody you see walking by you, every car you see driving, every everything that's happening is a million different scenarios that you could take advantage of. You gotta walk down those paths though, and so. I was fortunate enough to have somebody that didn't really know me say, hey, maybe you should look into doing this. And it was a vague thing to say, but the intent was there and the intent was very specific. Um, And I was that coach that told me, hey, do something else, like don't just be dormant. And again, that line from Jay, like I'd rather die enormous than live dormant. Like, you know, to him, me not maximizing my potential was being dormant. And I took heed to that, and some people don't. Some people didn't. And I know guys that was doing time for Grand Theft Auto, you know, just different things, and they were good guys. It's just those decisions, and that's another thing that we gotta learn. Like we don't have the, as minorities as black men, black women, Latinos, Latino men and women, we don't have the, we don't have the luxury. Of making a bad decision And so that was the, That's the key that I picked up on early To Pooh Bear's point Like you typically make Really sound decisions We don't have that luxury To make a mistake One mistake can put us in a, in a jail cell For seven years Or five years Or three years Imagine going to jail at 17 for seven years You come out 24 But The college is out the window All of this stuff is done So yeah, if you're doing something that you're doing right now and you think it's the only way, it's not you got multiple ways to get out. And if you can stomach that,
1: you can stomach anything else for sure. Wow, that's, that's game. Uh, so so dump, take me through somebody that maybe is um they struggling, man. They don't know they don't know what their gift is. Sure. They don't know what their talent is or their ability is to um get get clarity on what they're supposed to do with their lives. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that young person, that young Dom, to to help them find that gifting and talent mm-hmm. and to, to, to be able to maximize it?
0: Yeah, man, I mean, I think my lowest point, and it wasn't low because I was I was depressed and nothing like that. I would say my lowest point was, um, I say this story a lot, it was, like, 2012. I just quit my job. And maybe maybe around, like, November-ish or something like that. Um, and I was trying to go get something to eat. And I had, like, 27 cents in the bank account. So I couldn't even go to, like, Wendy's to get a 99 cent, you know, value meal. And I was just in the crib. I was just like, all right, you know, was it a good idea to quit? Was it this? Was it that? And then I just had to, like, think back to, like, all right, this is your lowest point today, but look at how much, look at how far you came from, you know, just eight years ago. Like, what could have happened and what could have been? So I think for people that, that feel lost or feel away about their current position, we always gonna do that we always gonna compare now to where we wanna be but if we compare now to like how far we've come then you can you can see like the power and, and the ability that you do have to kind of persevere through things and so anytime I'm always anytime I'm in a situation I'm like damn did I make the right decision like this is tough I mean I used to have to pay for dinner out of like a cardboard box which is like change that I saved up you know and that wasn't that long ago You know We're talking about 2016 15 15, 16 Some some parts of 17 You know it's only Four years later Right I was sleeping In um, I was sleeping In the attic Basically It was like There was a bedroom There was a bed And a bathroom On a third floor Like annex Like in North Philly it was my My old head crib I, I moved in there To kind of like build some bread up and again it was just like you gotta be you gotta be humble enough to put yourself in a position where you can only go up right there's only one way up and then you also gotta be confident enough to trust that you're doing the right thing for you it sounds it sounds hard but True confidence is in the face of adversity, right? And so it's easy to be confident when everything is up. But, you know, my, again, another coach, at this time at St. Joe's, he used to say, it's never as good as it seems, it's never as bad as it seems. He used to say it all the time, and I loved it, because I was just like, no matter what side of the coin you're on, you can always end up on the other side, and you just got to stay even. Same words that Jay used to say, just maintain, I don't care if it ain't sunny. I ain't complaining. I'm in the rain doing a buck forty hydroplaning, right? So it's like, out all these messages rain, whether it be from a white guy that coaches soccer, from a guy from Marcy Projects that's rapping on the song. They all like were consistent to me, and that kept me being consistent. Just like, as long as you stay consistent, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're gonna make it through that that storm.
1: Alpha, bro yeah. So so talk to me now Let's get into the, the second phase Which is development You know You talked about it A little bit earlier You know Going through The, the marketing class The management class mm-hmm. But you also got a mentor um, And that you got to Um of work in the business and this kind of where Mm -hmm. where it's really exposed you to the opportunities and the things that you're you're building today so take us through that journey Mm -hmm. getting into that opportunity and and learning and then eventually i don't want to spoil the story but but you go through
0: yeah so it was again serendipitous man so my part my business partner sherm he came back to the room one day he's like yo i met this guy a bruce crawley you know, black guy from North Philly. He went to St. Joe's prep. He went to St. Joe's. He spoke. Then you should connect with him. So I wound up doing that. Um, it was a back and forth. It reminded me a lot of how I got the job at Burger King. Like, I just kept going, kept going, kept going. Same thing with him. I kept emailing, kept calling, kept emailing, kept calling. Saw that he was going to speak at St. Joe's again. Pulled up on him at, in, in uh, Mandeville, which is where we had all of our business classes and uh, he was like you got free time for lunch and I was like he, yeah <laughs> and so we sat and we had lunch and I was trying to at this point I'm pretty I'm pretty crafty like in picking people apart in terms of like what I can say to get them talking and he's not having any of it. It's all one word responses. And I'm like, yo, I can't crack bull, like, I don't, I mean, I done did this to the hardest bulls out. Like, everybody, you know, all my years of Jedi mind tricks not working at all. And I forget what he says. I think he started talking about his dad, or I started talking about my dad. One, One of us started talking about our parental situation. And that like kinda opened up a door. And then I told him that I was um I think I told him I think I might have had to go like train that night because I was I was doing um like this martial art. I was like, I think that's how we got on that subject. And then he was like, Oh, you do that? And I was like, Yeah. And then he wound up being a martial artist. And so I was trying to get him to open up about business for the first fifteen minutes can not get anything But then when we Talked about Life
1: And Those things I mean He was just like An open book Talking about I I just gotta Tell the listeners He just gave y'all A business gem Like You know Don't try to connect When you're looking For certain business deals Or business partnerships Mm -hmm. Don't go in for business alone You know Find a way To connect Outside of the business realm And that can open up The door
0: Yeah I have a a bigger door That I'm going to tell you about yeah. But yeah So When we started talking about martial arts And Having like Really not having a dad at home And this and that The conversation was crazy And then that's when I knew I was like I could work for this dude And That was I only I only applied to one school It was St. Joe's Got in And I only applied to one job That was his His office And the, That was it, I didn't need to to go apply anywhere else. And so he was like, yo, come work. Come work for us. I wound up doing that. When I got there that week, two of the account managers quit. So they made me an account manager straight off the internship. And I just learned everything that I needed to know about being a black entrepreneur. Through from him and from his partner, Mr. Fullard. I couldn't have had a better education in terms of, like, grad school. You know, so I had the streets. Then St. Joe's kind of refining me, knocked the knocked the the rough off, I guess, around the edges. And then to work for another St. Joe's alum who's, like, 40 years my senior. in downtown, he runs his own firm. But he's, like, tied in politically. Like, the wisest dude I ever met at that point, like... The stuff that he was reading Everything he was talking about He was just up on all the current events That was a question he asked me When I came to his office For an official interview He's like Do you know who Vladimir Putin is? And I'm like The Russian boy? <laughs> he's yeah. like yeah I was like why? He's like I just want to see If you know who he is And what he's doing in the news right now And there was a PR firm So it made sense He you knows all about the news But That But like you said, like, touching on a human base was what opened it up. And and so going through that and just learning how to be an entrepreneur, learning how to navigate Philadelphia corporate um, from another guy from North Philly, it was cool. It was cool to see and cool to be a part of. Um, But likewise, now I'm in rooms with, like, billionaires because of soccer and their interest in getting black kids from North Philly to play soccer for the union. And again, if it was strictly business, meaning apples to apples, but I'd be talking to some of these y'all, probably would've never met them a day in my life. But because, you know, we made the decision to start a soccer program in my neighborhood, that was the decision that we, that was a plan we had 10 years ago that we started actually six years ago to now be here and literally be partnering with, like, billionaires to execute on a plan that is our plan that they want to be a part of. Um, of course, they have interest in it, too, for, for their own reasons. But, again, like you said, it's just, like, the realm, the extracurriculars outside of what you do day in and day out can give you a lot more of an advantage than actually, like, just like, oh, I make X amount of money, or I do this, I do that. Being, you know, rounded and universal, and it just has like a lot, a lot more advantages
1: to it. That's what's up, bro. Uh, so, so now you're working at this PR firm. You're you're not soaking up game, right? Like this is your development phase. Mm-hmm. You're really, really honing your craft as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. as a leader, as a manager. Like talk, talk to us because there was a lot that happened in that in that, that yeah. time frame and four years yeah talk yeah. to us about
0: yeah I mean I think at this point being 21 I definitely know my strengths are listening I'm just super observant my learning curve has always been like really really lean I mean that was apparent with just like the stuff that I would do but also like being able to kind of walk on to a division one team and developed that quick to be able to like, play with them guys day in and day out. I mean, just, you get confidence in yourself to say like, oh, I, I could pretty much do what I put my mind to in any tough scenario. So working there was tough because I never really thought of myself as like a good writer. But PR is all about writing and Mr. Crawley was huge about grammar and punctuation. And, being objective and really following J-school, so journalism school, um, protocol, and AP style. So just always being under pressure to have, like, read the newspaper that day or understand current events or writing well or knowing who's in the room, you know. And at the same time, just learning Philadelphia history from the black perspective from a guy that grew up in Richard Island with Bill Cosby. You know what I mean? Like, every day it was, like, every day it was just, like, the encyclopedia opened up. And, you know, my parents had the encyclopedia. I think everybody's parents in the 90s had the encyclopedia in their, in their house. But now I got, this, like, living, breathing it, you know, every day in and day out. Um, from a guy that was, you know, again, not really having, like, a dad that was there every day. You know, we would talk on the phone, but he wasn't in the house you know, from the time I was eight to the t- to now, right? To have somebody that was that type of presence in the work environment, I mean, I, I think I was really fortunate I didn't have to go work in a place with- where I couldn't be me. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people have feel like they got to go work in a place where they got to, like, be a shell of themselves. But my one job that I had was we... He was from North Philly. Mr. Fuller I was from Germantown. And Mr. Fuller actually, his house was two blocks away from my grandmother's house. So we would talk current events, talk sports, talk this, talk politics, talk Philly stuff, talk politics, talk current. Events. So it was always like on. And what I learned from that is I learned what it took to be an entrepreneur because Mr. Crawley would get up at He'd be up at three or four o'clock in the morning reading the paper, and wouldn't leave the office or not or something at night. He probably still went back to their work because his commitment to being like excellent was—I mean, just because of where he came from and who he was dealing with day in and day out—that just like showed me like, all right, this is that's the type of that's the type of edge you gotta have to to be. Mildly successful, you know, in life, but to make it where he came from, that's that's that was what was needed, and so yeah, it was it was a tremendous time. It was um, an awesome four years. I think the eight-year span from going to St. Joe's to leaving M3M, I just like that has changed so much, you know,
1: mentality-wise for sure. Wow. So. You're going through this journey. You're developing yourself, um, knowingly and in unknowingly, in some ways as well. As you're, because I look at you today. You're, you're, you're the, you're the mentor of what your mentor was to you. Like you, you are, you know, if you guys don't know, it, it's literally 10:30 as we're doing this interview. We, Dom is always grinding, working, putting in the work. You know, if you know Dom and. CGM Philly, uh, morning to evening. This brother's putting in the work, so it's amazing to see that full circle. Uh, what you you model, what your mentor modeled to you, mm-hmm. you're living and and doing. So take us now to CGM Philly. Mm-hmm. How does that come about, right? Because you are you are working there, doing your thing under this. It sounds like a, a really great model of an example, but you got you, you a bird that got wings and you gotta fly so, mm-hmm. so take us through that transition period because a lot of people are in jobs or they, they're, they're transition trying to transition
0: yeah so working at MPM you know I developed soft skills that we just talked about but also some tangible skills that kind of went back to what we were talking about before like the marketing with DECA and all of that so at St. Joe's my step brother and, and our friend Sherm we uh we knew we wanted to go into business together. Um, so when Sherman graduated the year after us, we kind of started modeling what that would be, it was going to be. So John Neal showed me the Steven Starr restaurants. So I was trying to model that, kind of model like this holding company that would do like lifestyle things, like shoe store, restaurant, community center, whatever the case. And um, it wound up being. Um, my stepbrother Jim, who named it Common Ground, because like yo, know, trying to find some common ground, and we, we thought it was dope. So around like 2010, we kicked it off, and with the intent of being the first business, it was going to be a shoe store, because we were really big into sneaks. So we did all the research for that, trying to get it going. Realized the market was kind of shifting because online retail was getting bigger. Assignment was getting bigger Nike wasn't really Giving out deals like that You gotta start at the bottom Of the basement With like a D level deal So we said alright cool We'll we'll hustle up the money Again this is just me going In my old bag of tricks Like Alright we'll We'll do an event We'll put up the initial Front money Do an event And just flip the bread From event to event While we're marketing While we're Building our brand and so, I mean, it, it was very, like you can say full circle, it was very cool to see that come full circle Where, you know, we had events where it'd be like a 8 inches of snow, 12 inches of snow on the ground Somebody called me for an $8 ticket I'm like, I'm in the snow with it, you know <laughs> 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 But the mood but the is ticket I mean, I, I would just laugh, I would just chuckle Because I'd be like, man, this is far cry from, you know Being like a teenager Doing uh, something similar But not as good of a cause And um Yeah our first event Went really well And the theme was That every time we did an event The owners of the spaces Would be like yo Can you help us Cause our first two events Were done in the middle Of a snowstorm And we had a packed house And they're like yo Can you do this every Can you do this once a month Can you do this Can you help me brand?" And so that's what I was doing for a living. And you know, I was just like, one guy asked us to do it with his. He had a spot on Delaware Avenue. He's from South Philly. And he seen our first turnout. And he was like, yo, I want you to run all four of my businesses for me. This is around this time, 2012, March, 2012. And the same apart, the same house that I was would be later sitting there saying like, hey, I only got 27 cents in the bank account. At that time, I was sat in the living room and I was like, damn, you know, we're trying to get certain things for this event, but we can't get it because by the time we get off work, the owners of the businesses, they gone. All right, we, we don't have the connections to really get busy and I'm trying to run two things at once. So I just thought like, yo, what if you quit your job? And it's like this calm just came over me like, yo, yeah, it's the time. And so I, I put it, I called I call my folks up. I was like, yo, you know, if I quit my job, you know, I'll do it if y'all support the decision. And, you know, it's gonna that decision is going to be like, we got to change. Something has to change, right? Like people think about transition and change. Change. Change can't happen until
1: something ends right so you oh well, wow 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 that's, that's <laughs> nugget, a gem, gem, gem drop right there uh <laughs> change can't happen unless something ends yeah. uh, y'all gotta meditate on that right there that's, that's i mean
0: powerful. think i mean think about it if you really want to change you gotta stop a behavior like if, if you if you really want to do something different you can't you can't even do 1% of the thing you were doing before right and so that was from being a teenager to I I can't like halfway stop being around these guys I gotta like all the way stop then it was okay I gotta all the way commit to playing soccer and it was I gotta all the way commit to going to St. Joe's and it was I gotta all the way commit to doing this doing that and so at this point you know, another four-year interval, right? Okay, I got to all the way commit to common ground because, when doing working and working during the day, doing common ground at night, there's nothing, there's going to be a, a mute point. So tw- there's like a 12-year interval, like three sets of four where you're like, all right, change, change, change. So now I'm here and I'm like, all right, cool, this is what I got to do. So quit um quit in 3M August 2012. We thought that we was going to get a contract with this guy like 4 or 5 grand a month. Kind of midway through July, we realized that like, he probably was going to renege on it. But at that point I already it was already in my mind to do it. So I wasn't like turning back. And that was that was the birth of like Everything that you have been preparing for and everything that you were training for, everything, all your life experiences boiled down to August, whatever date. I want to say August 12th, whatever date. It was a Monday and I woke up and I was just like, I don't got shit to do today. (laughs) (laughs) For the first time in my life, I was like, yo, your whole life, since the day you're born, your life is planned for you. There's some type of structure Whether it be bad or good It's structured You're gonna be breast- breastfed You're gonna take a nap Then it's Alright You're gonna do your ABCs Then it's Alright you're in preschool Then you're in kindergarten Then you're in elementary school then, There's not a day That you live Where you don't have Something on the regimen At all Until You decide to be an entrepreneur And that first day out is like and I, and I felt like those dreams where you fall in the dream and you just keep falling until you wake up that's how I felt I was like yo what like what am I gonna do today like I literally don't have anything to do and I did the, the only thing I knew how to do I make something happen and so that was it I went to Temple Library um and put a Craigslist ad up. Somebody answered it and said they needed a proposal written for them. I think we charged like 180 or something like that. And that was it. That was that. Was that. Wow! <laughs> wow. wow.
1: Amazing. Amazing. So, so take us to the to, to the to the last phase, which is distribution, right? Once you once you discovered the gift, mm-hmm. the talent. Um, then you developed yourself through the, the, I like how you called it, your masters, and then, and then you, you left and, and branched on your own, right, which which is never easy, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, that's never easy to do, but you, you persisted through, and uh, you're a man with a plan, so, how did you now take what was once now Dom and, and some of your partners doing events and putting out ads and proposals to now building a team where people are employed mm-hmm. with benefits. You got a 20-year plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, take, take a
0: step. Well, I mean, the plan the plan was in 2000, from 2007. So 2007, we sat in the crib and on, on campus, our dorm room, and we said, yo, we're going to do this thing, and it's going to look like X. And, you know, we, all of our interests kind of aligned in that regard. So, you know, Jim's mom, you know, after my mom passed, Jim's mom took me in. So she really instilled in us community service. So to be able to, I never was really a communal type guy. You know, I was always like isolated, kind of lone wolf. But she made it a point that I know you're going to get out here and do this community service. <laughs> Which is which is a blessing and also, you know, a part of my maturation as a person. Um, and so to be looking at 07 and oh 0- two thousand eight, to say, like, okay, cool, this is what we wanna build, it's gonna take thirty years. Like to know to know that that that's how long it'll take. I mean, it seems like Mount Everest at that time, but here we are thirteen years later, right? And it's like it just I can remember it like it was yesterday. Right, we was in room 301. And so, to be able to say, like, all right, cool, this is, we want to do this, we want to do that, we want to do this, but not fight the current, though, because we could have fought against what people was asking us to do. You know, every, the first three venues, the first four venues we did stuff that all of the owners were like, yo, can you consult us, manage us. And that's what I was doing for a living. And it took the last guy for the So, the first guy we did, Willie Torres, you know, we called him Unc, Puerto Rican guy from my neighborhood, on American and Allegheny. He had the most beautiful spot in Philly. We we're in the heart of North Philly. At this time, people in Philly really didn't go into other people's neighborhoods. So, To have 200 people come to American Allegheny in the Badlands on a Saturday night in 2011, you know, that was something, because people wasn't like, if you're from Germantown, you stayed in there. If you're from West, you stayed there. Whatever. But people came out. And so he was the first person to be like, yo, can you help me do this? And we we would. And when I quit, that was like the first place I went to on the weekends to help a manage because one of our goals was to have a club. So I was like, yo, I'm going to help Unk, you know, run his spot. And you know, that quickly changed my goal because I've I seen how much stuff happens and you, know, you really can't control it. It's just from overpouring on liquor to chicken nuggets being stolen, there's just no way to control like loss in, in a restaurant or a club situation. So I was like, that's
1: not really. That's not something I really want to do. But he. I'm sorry, bro. You just dropped another gem that I don't think the listeners caught. Did you Did you catch what Dom just said there? He 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 basically analyzed. He did a business evaluation yeah. uh, and saw that this is not a business where, um, because business to make a business work, you you got to minimize expense mm-hmm. and you got to make sure you're profitable. He saw that this is. This is not controllable. It's not scalable. If I if, if if I build this business, I can't tell how much inventory is lost, yeah. uh, how much how much alcohol is lost, how much uh, my staff is stealing, all these different things. And he said, "Nah, you know what? Pivot. I wanted to do this dream, but it doesn't make any business sense. It doesn't.
0: Make, it didn't make sense to me. But what made sense to me was helping out Mr. Torres because he showed us so much love and he supported us through all the things that we needed that we tried to do." So, um, obviously, I continue to, like, come over, work over the night with him and do that. And we'll walk to the crib, you know, a couple of blocks to go back home. And, but back to get back on the story, you know, not fighting that and saying, like, oh, let's go open up our sneaker store. The entree was consult. It doesn't cost you anything to consult. You can do it from your house. You can do it from Temple Library. There's no overhead. It's just you and a computer. And you've already been doing it. You've been trained to do it for the last eight years. This is what you did in school. This is what you did for M- M3M. This is your exit from... Work. This is the first retirement, right? And so that's why we got into that. Because, again, listening, that's what people wanted. That's you know, At M3M, people would come in from the neighborhood but they couldn't afford the service price, service fees so we were able to do something and we had knowledge that people didn't have it wasn't readily available in 2012 about what a business was how to start a business how to communicate how to market what's a press release what's a media advisory what's an LLC so those are things that our community needed and wanted and they were asking for it in their own way and we just listened and that's how we started it and it was was it was it sexy it wasn't sexy but it did the job it created an opportunity for us to fill a lane that now we you know we've been doing it for almost a decade and we had a mentor again she she popped in popped out but something that reigns you know Sherm was our CFO he would do our budget he would do our um, P&Ls profit and loss statements and he would just they were all zeros. And he he told her, he's like, man, I just hate putting in zeros. And she was like, well, don't quit before the miracle happens. And again, that was just like one of those prophetic things for me. Like, it's basically tattooed on my head. Like, don't quit before the miracle happens. And anytime I feel that way, I'm like, Miss Melissa said don't quit before the miracle happens. All right, well, let's see what's up. And
1: here we are. Wow. Yeah. So take us into CGM a little bit more, because for some for some folks that don't know what yeah. you, what you do, yeah. break that down and, and and talk to us about you know what what has transpired and you know how you guys have built it up today.
0: Sure. So a lot of listening. Um, so Common Ground Management is a company that we started with the idea of being a holding company, but it kind of group matured into like a consult- consultation firm. There's still a management firm for other businesses that we own but essentially what we saw was a lot of people in our community they didn't have the education that we had not in a, not in a bragging way but it just it, the information we had it wasn't readily available for people and so what we, what we saw was people needed help you know making websites people needed help Taking photos, video, creating a brand, creating a business—things that we could pretty much do in our sleep because of you know formal training and work experience. Like I managed like a multi-million-dollar, basically a multi-billion-dollar company um, as an account manager at M3M. So you know to, to build somebody's business. I didn't have any money. It was really easy to do. right? <laughs> There's no expectation. It was like, you're at zero. We can definitely grow this. And um, it was funny because my I referenced Manny earlier in this conversation. So Manny called me, and he wanted to start a business. This is before he knew that I had um, quit my job, and I ain't talked. I hadn't talked to Manny in like four years. And he was like, "I want to start this clothing line, but you don't." You're the only person I could think to call about it Not because of what I did I mean he didn't know what I did For real for real And we talked about it And I said it was a good idea And he was I was like why did you call me And he said the same thing Pooh Bear said But Pooh Bear said it Ten years earlier And he was just like Man any important decision I ever had to run I ever had to make I ran it by you we was young boy, like, and I was like, "Damn!" And he was like, "Yeah, you, your mind, you just got, you know, you just, you just got it." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "No, I mean, any, anything that was important, you know, I, I always ran that joint by you." And so, he saw something in me that I didn't see, but that's what Common Ground became and became a place where people could run ideas by somebody that they trusted and that they could feel had their best interest at heart so you know ten years later we have people that are millionaires that started with us and I remember they were doing stuff out of the back of their cars like you know what I mean like out of their mom's kitchen right so when you talk about like finding your purpose and your path I, you know, I always tell you don't have to find it. You're already on it. You just have to believe it.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! You repeat that again?
0: Well, I mean, last time we talked, we had this conversation. I was like, you asked me like, how do people find their purpose and path? And I was like, well, that's the problem. People go find, go looking for it, which typically like takes them off for the path. Like whether they, I got to hike Mount Everest or I got to smoke this or drink that. Um you don't have to find that you're already on it. You just have to believe that it is that it is, right? And my whole life has always been a belief that this, I'm already on the thing, you know? And it was just listening and being present in the moment to capture that tiny tiny piece of data that said, no, this is you, you're right. Like, stay here, don't go anywhere else. And... Life is really simple We make it complicated But If you're naturally good at something You're gonna Naturally do it Right If you you can naturally draw You're gonna be drawing Even if you Didn't think you were drawing You're just gonna do it If you're Naturally a, a talker That's what you'll be inclined to do You know We're creatures of habit And we're creatures of Ease Like the things that come easy to us We wanna do them And so Everybody has the opportunity To ride that it's just a matter of whether they believe that it is and sometimes we just don't believe our, ourselves we don't believe the things that people say and I think those are the roadblocks not the time not not getting there the roadblock is
1: do you believe that it's it's there already wow that's profound man so now you you build up this company but you had to do marketing to build this company up because a lot of people just you know, have a talent, right? Whether they're even there you know, you use soccer as an example. You could be an amazing soccer player, amazing sure. basketball player, but if you didn't market yourself, you didn't position yourself to be yeah. in front of the the billionaires of you in Philadelphia Union, yeah. uh, the, the the different people. You're not in position. It's almost I don't want to say it's pointless, but it it almost doesn't matter if you don't market yourself effectively. So, talk to us about the marketing.
0: Yeah, that was and, the hardest part. Yeah. That was the hardest part. I was, um, all of us are pretty reserved. Um, and then just, you know, the way I grew up, the way I matured, some of the things that, some of the natural instincts that we, that i developed just to, you know, survive. You don't get rid of them that easy. So like, having my name on stuff, or, Taking pictures, like or being in videos, like promoting yourself with all opposite of you know my first instinct. Like how, when I was when I when I matured into a teenager and a young adult, those are things that we didn't want to do. You know, stay out of the limelight, stay out of the way, just keep a low profile. And, and so our first couple years with Common Ground were very difficult because none of us really wanted to be on social media, per se, or show our face. And for different reasons. The main reason, we're, we all were reserved. But, you know, subordinate to that, which is the other things. Um, and so for me, that was the lesson that I had to learn was like, okay, It's not enough to be Dom You have to be Entrepreneurial Dom Like it's not enough to be Goku You have to be Kakarot Like then you gotta tap into Super Saiyan mode Whatever that looks like And Entrepreneurship is the most beautiful Entrepreneurship is the most beautifully fair Thing on earth Behind economics Because it doesn't matter How much money you have you have to convince another human being That you're valuable Wow That's so Can you
1: Expound on that I, don't think, I think that might have went over people's heads
0: Well think about Beyonce I've never seen anybody wear Darion jeans Ever <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce is probably the single most famous person On on the face of the earth Right Behind like Messi or Neymar Or something like that Who? When have you seen somebody wear Darion jeans?
1: Even she had a, a jeans company and This is
0: 20 years ago Wow this, So they wear Ivy Park now Because Ivy Park looks better It's marketed better It's powered by Adidas I believe Adidas But Darion Was something that Her mom came up with And That's like the height of Beyonce's Like fame Right She's on everything She's with Jay But it didn't matter It just didn't look people just didn't want it and so entrepreneurship is so dope because you could be um elon musk and lose 15 billion in a day and you're like it's elon musk how do you lose money but you can also win it back the next day or the next week or the next month And so nobody's, nobody's impervious to it. It's the invisible hand of the marketplace. And that's the one thing that, you know, I had to realize, like, look, nobody's going to sell your business. You got to do stuff that you're uncomfortable with. You've all, your whole life you've done stuff you're uncomfortable with. This is the ultimate test. You always did things that were very easy for you to kind of be out of the way. And in the background, this is the last final frontier, like, yeah, you might have to make a video with your face in it. <laughs> you might have to, like, talk, right? You know, and so, I mean, it was, it was easy to go out and sell tickets, you know, being in the back of the room, boom, it, just, it felt really akin to things that I was used to doing, but to put your, put your face on video and post it for it to live in all for all eternity and perpetuity, that was a tough thing for me to stomach, but, uh, We started doing it. And the minute that we realized that we had to do that, that's when we started seeing a difference in volume. But the real thing was when we switched our business model. So iterating was always, iterating is always a thing you have to do in business. So we used to do management, where we would be with the business, the client, and kind of walk them through. But then that wasn't scalable because either they, either Either they can't afford the amount of time that you're providing or they can't afford the money that it takes for you to provide the time, right? So you're always in a in a constant battle of like equilibrium. But it's a it's a process that is always gonna deteriorate because either you're right and you're supposed to be right and they don't need you anymore, or you're wrong and they don't need you anymore because <laughs> you're wrong. So if you're right and they make more money, then you're like thinking like, okay, cool. Like they'll pay you, but no. So we got got to the point where like, we gotta up our prices. So we did, we got bigger clients. Then we got to the point where we had staff and the clients were paying, but our margins were too thin because the more clients you have that need you to be on the phone for 40 hours, the more employees you have to have for each client. And it was just like, we're not really growing. And then we realized, like, if any of these people decided not to pay us, it's over with. So we're really not our own company. We're we're actually, like, a leech on somebody else's company. And so we changed the business model to go to be more like a um, a store. So instead of you paying, like, $7,000 a month for us to, like, run your company, you could just buy these things out of the cart. You know, a formation, a trademark, a website or this or that And so now instead of just working for four companies Or three companies a month We might see 300 in a month For different things Not, I mean, it didn't happen overnight But the opportunity is there for that And so In 2016, we switched the business model To being more like a store Which allowed us to then market better Because if I'm just working for David Everything we're talking about is really proprietary, so I can't really talk about the stuff that we're doing. I can only just show David success. But when you talk when you when you're when you're talking about a product, now people can understand what you do and it's easier for people to come to you. So that that's where the change happened. It was just like, okay, now we can talk about our stuff more. Before we didn't have anything to talk about. We could talk about our clients, but you know I'm gonna just keep posting Nehemiah's face on. It. <laughs> so our, our Instagram was like we were using it, but it really didn't have like communication on it. And we wrote what made us realize this was we wrote a book. It's called Welcome to the Jungle. And when we, there's ten steps on how to start, sustain, and scale that every business needs to do. It doesn't matter if you're a billion dollar business or just starting out. And it's 10 steps, and we realize that we're really only doing two of them. We're going to do another eight. And that's what made us, like, make the change to be, be to communicate, make fire. You know, you got to get cash in, you know, save money, reinvest it, do those things. So. Wow.
1: So what what's the one, like, to shorten the learning curve for someone that says, I don't want to market, I hate marketing. Um, or they're reserved like you guys were um, or you guys still are maybe you're reserved but you still you still push past your comfort zone mm-hmm. but what would you say what would you say to somebody because um, you always give business tips if you don't follow uh, CGM Philly on instagram you should be following them yeah. they give so much wisdom and insight and marketing and business tips so what what is that one core thing for somebody you think think could propel somebody as far as marketing themselves, their gift, their business,
0: understand what it is that you actually sell. I mean, people are like, oh, I don't want to market. I don't like to talk. I'm shy. It don't got to be about you, you know. And so, at the end of the day, nobody can tell me who the owner of Chick Fil A is off top. Like, I wait, right? <laughs> like, who's the owner of Uber? again I'll wait nine out of ten people walking down the street nine point nine of them can off the top name you these CEOs these people these founders so business isn't about you it's about solving a problem that's what you talk about you know how do you solve the problem how does the business solve the problem even better so uh, we had a guy in here man and you know I'm a pretty people say I'm pretty patient I'm pretty patient until I'm not Right, and so the guy was like, for two months he was like, I wanna pay you to do this thing for me. I'm like, You can't pay me to do that. That's not you we know, don't I'm telling it to you for free, right, to do it. And he's like his problem was he was in here and he had a Mac repair business. He repaired Macs. The first name he had was horrible. He didn't say any and usually I'm I'm the first guy to say like the name really don't matter. But he actually picked the, probably the worst name you could pick for what he does. It didn't mean anything. And I was just like, why don't you just call the company I Repair Max? And he was like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, that's free. <laughs> and he's like, well, what else can I do? I'm like, why the hell are you in here? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you just told me that you make more money outside, you know, doing your thing, posting on Facebook, whatever. So why why'd you pick an office space that nobody knows you repair Macs in? He's like, well, no, I thought, I'm thought i thinking like there's people in here. I'm like, there's like 40 people in here. <laughs> and not everybody has a Mac. But if you go on Chestnut Street, there's a Mac store, a Mac repair store on Chestnut Street. If you go on Walnut Street, there's an Apple store on Walnut Street. If you go to Starbucks, any of these coffee places, you're gonna see people sitting in there with Macs. And none of these people know that you exist. Because you're sitting here talking to me. Asking me, how do you get more people to know you exist? You know what you should do? And he's like, what? I'm like, in here, there's free printing. You should print 100 flyers that say, I repair Max, 1635 Market Street, 16th floor. And you should go outside for lunch and just hand them out. Then come back and print 100 more and do it again and do that for two weeks and then do it again for another two weeks and then you'll get calls. But, like, you shouldn't be in here during lunchtime when everybody else is outside and you repair Max. Right. And he was like, I can't see myself doing that. Well, then you can't see yourself being an entrepreneur. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like what the hell You want me to do mm. Cause it's a jungle Right And the first thing You gotta do Is find shelter Understand where you gotta Where you gotta be Where you're Where's safety If you're complaining About how much money You're not making How, how expensive your life is You got a choice You can kill yourself Or you can go kill something
1: mm.
0: you can kill. Yeah Yeah <laughs> Like, sitting here asking me how to hunt for you, I don't have, I'm, I'm I've built my own business, I don't, and I built my own business doing the same thing I just told you to do. Wow. Getting the hell outside. Yeah. <laughs>
1: there's a lot of, this this microwave mentality, people want the, the instant success, they don't want to go through the process, yeah. they don't want to put in the work, and, uh. I appreciate you sharing that Dom and I, I know I've, I've pulled a lot on your time tonight but um, so if you could just give one so two more questions for you sure. um, the development right the development phase what what you just talked about it for from the example but what can a person or what should a person do once they find their gift or their talent or their ability mm-hmm. what should they do to, to really turn their gifting into mastery and develop themselves you said it
0: I mean We just had a young guy Walking here At 20 years old Talking about He's literally Owned his business For 30 days And he's like Yeah I'm trying to scale it So I don't have to Do the work you have had a business For 30 days And you're giving advice To people About how to start Their businesses I'm like Do you even know what A tax election is? I'm not trying to knock them, but when I'm, what we're looking, what we see right now is what used to be people wouldn't go anywhere near paperwork unless they had some type of college degree or some mastery. And that, now you're starting to see people just do it because they're like, it's an opportunity. I was watching this thing, um, the show Billions. Bobby Axelrod told his wife the mother of his children when she started a business she wanted to get funding and he was like i don't you know don't you just not try to do it. <laughs> just run the business she's like no i could do it he's like well if you do that you know i'm in private i can i'm in equity i could get people she's like no i don't want to do it off your name i want to do it off this strength." and she went she talked in front of a, an investor and she said hey yeah anything for your husband and then she goes back to Bobby and she says, did you make a call? And he's like, I put in a word. And she was like, why'd you do that? You know? And he was like, well, you know, I mean, it'd be good for you. And then she said, well, why, why do you think that we can't do it? And he was like, you want to know the truth? And she said, yeah. He's like, what are you the best at? You didn't make this. You didn't invent this. You didn't invent the tool that makes it better. You don't have industry knowledge about it. You offer something that has a low barrier to entry that anybody can really do. You just have access to high earners, but that's not a defense. What are you the best at? And that's what we're. That's what you have to take into an account as an entrepreneur. Again, I'm not talking about this kid personally. I'm just saying you're a 20-year-old and you can't tell me what what a 25-53 is. Why are you doing somebody's papers that are going to get them in tax trouble? Mm. Mm. I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying is have some pride in what you do and master it first. Right? If you're not going to master what you're trying to do, what are you doing? And that's the thing. You know He's He's here right now So I'm patting him On the back too He's here right now Doing his thing He's going through The motions So At the same time You got to kind of Build the wings In midair too Right That's entrepreneurship As well Right But It used to be that You were An accountant So you already had The infrastructure Or You Went to culinary school Right So you already knew How to properly Make the mill Right now It's just like People just are doing stuff You
1: are so right, bro Like I, I think about Back to your story You know A lot of people They see CGM They don't know You put four years in Under another company I, they, they see me In Kingdom Social Media They don't know I worked four years Ironically The same amount of time For another company Yeah Like Learning the craft Honing the craft Yeah And it's Yeah Man, it's such a powerful, profound thing That people
0: want to skip the mastery, man Skip the mastery And then it's like You know, God forbid this guy does 100 filings this year There's 100 filings that are guaranteed be wrong That he can't answer the question Because guaranteed they'll call him back It's like, well, what did you do? Why did you do this? Like, why didn't I get my non-profit? And again, I'm not talking about the kid specifically I'm just saying, generically speaking A 20-year-old If you're 20, you haven't graduated college, right? So if you're doing this, you're probably not in school, right? And so the mastery part is what people are taking for granted. The listening part is what people are taking for granted. We're not saying you got to go work at a job for four years. What we're saying is it used to be that if you were an entrepreneur, you were an entrepreneur because you at least had the skill set, to launch the thing that you wanted to launch Mm. now people don't even have the skill set they're just launching it and it's a whole new world and it's fine but guess what there's no way on earth that you're gonna beat somebody that's absolutely better than everything that you do in every possible way Mm. there's no way you can't you can't beat somebody that's actually Tried to master what they do mm. It's impossible
1: It's, game. it's game. Woo. Jeez, game is a game I told you, y'all gonna need to rewind <laughs> and, and play this again and again and again um, But so Dom um, So first tell us about I know you told us a little bit about, about CGM Philly But tell us about um, How they can get in contact with you And, and, and get the, get the services That you guys offer
0: Yeah, so you can reach us at cgmphilly.com, on Instagram at cgmphilly, Facebook cgmphilly. Be be open to the new uh, YouTube we're going to drop, kind of off-brand, cgmgrd. Blame Google, not us. They they locked us out of our cgmphilly at gmail.com, which is connected to the YouTube. But uh, cgmgrd is going to be the YouTube channel uh, soon. And we'll have all like that That footage and video up there
1: Solid Solid man So we always close the show With The same The same question What's the difference between Your gift Mm -hmm. And your purpose One's gift And one's purpose
0: Mm. Well I I I would say The gift Is the vehicle That drives you to The purpose Um And so We talked about it before Like You don't gotta find Your purpose You're already On that path And A lot of times People aren't Self aware enough To understand What their talents And gifts are Spend a lot of time Trying to Figure out what they're good at Why they're good at Who they're good at Right (laughs) And so Um To me, again, I think I was really fortunate. I never had, I never experienced the pressure of trying to be somebody else for my family. I can't imagine, like, how hard that is for somebody. I never, you know, it was just always me and my mom. I can't imagine having to live, like, you, your mom, your uncle, your dad, your cousins, that are all, like, in the same place and you're trying to live up to like everybody else's expectations your whole life, and you never really find out who you are. I'm not saying everybody's family's like that, but, but I can imagine a scenario where I've heard it a lot, like people are disowned by their family because of their sexual orientation, or the fact that they want to do this, or you know, their, their cousins were all one way, and so they got kind of caught up in that way. So for me, I never had that, that blanket of oppression, so to speak. And so When it was When it was times where I needed to understand who I was Those were very very early I mentioned to you Something from 6 and 7 years of age Right Right. And so I'm here now Through some really really dark times Not, Not for me I mean they were dark because Nobody wants to go through them But I never saw them as dark. I always saw them as, like, vehicles to get to the next phase. Like, there was always, like, something at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, in situations where a lot of people probably were folding a towel, I had to go through those situations at a really young age that molded me into a position where I was like, all right, you remember you made it through this thing when you were 13? Or you remember you made it through that, that thing when you were 14? Or man, you know, you could have got shot at 16 or he was almost arrested here. You know, in dark times in my 20s, when I'm like, yo, this is just the right decision, I had to think about, yeah, but you're light years away from where you were, though. And why are you here? Because you made the right decisions. You've always pretty much made pretty good decisions. And... You have your future like right in the palm of your hand. You can really control it. And so understanding the gift that I had, which was um, the ability to plan, the ability to listen and execute, I just had to trust in that and believe that right, the path that I'm on now is it, is it is what it is. And there's been signs... You know, very minute signs, and like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be, right here, right now. All right, this is perfect. The first time we moved to make offices, the first, the first day, this guy came in from Virginia, opened his business, and I asked him a banky bank, but he was like bb and I was like, oh, there's one right downstairs. You can just go downstairs and open an account. I'd never heard of BB&T before we moved into this building. Mm. You know, we were around the corner, and. The next day, the vice presidents came up from BB and Tier and like, "Yo, we, how did you do what you did for this guy? Because he just came in with all his paperwork, it was all right, and he said he just got it same day." And they're like, "We want to do business with you guys." Wow. And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, yeah, we're supposed to be here." Because <laughs> at the at the time, you know, at the time we, we moved over here from another spot because it was getting kind of small. Make offices had like a huge deal going. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, damn, what if we made the wrong choice? Not not in like for any other reason than just like it was a new spot. Right. And you don't know. I was like, man, what if we what if we made, what if this was the move that collapses everything, right? And the very first day it was, no, this is the fucking right choice.
1: Co- corporate contract. No, this is the right choice
0: And You know Everybody's gonna have An instant moment Of like Hesitation But Life will Your life will show you Whether it is Or it ain't And you just have to
1: Trust it And believe that it is When it's time So That's game Dom, um, Thank you so much, man, for blessing the people. I mean, just so much wisdom you dropped. Well, first.
0: let me let me spend it. Yeah. So what's yeah. your
1: gift? Oh, man. Nobody's ever thrown that at me, man. No, oh, man. I'm oh, tired man. of you, it, you <laughs> <mean>. <laughs> Wow. Nobody's ever done that to me on the show, man. Um, so my gift is, it's a weird gift, but um, I have the ability to see treasure in trash. Uh, <laughs> meaning that I I can see, and mainly, I want to say mainly in people, human capital. Okay. And, and so, I have, because I was the trash, you know what I mean? Like, I was the thrown out thing that nobody expected to do anything, you know. you uh, have heard my story, um, just, you know, expelled from high school. Um, I still can't get over it. I still can't get over it. I know, over. right? I still can't. Well, you told me that on yes.
0: our podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> It was a, it was around this time last year, yeah. maybe like
1: uh, maybe like February I think last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. yeah, man. Expelled from high school, about to do a felony uh, after at eighteen, passing the check and just wrong people. So I, it was not a lot of expectations for me to be. I was told most likely to be a janitor and most likely to be. Like, people told me, You're gonna be a sanitation engineer. Because I wanted to, like, my mom wanted me to be an engineer. They're like, Oh, yeah, you're gonna be an engineer. You're just gonna be a sanitation, sanitation engineer. engineer. So, this is so, people in your family telling you. Uh, uh, this is friends. Uh, this, yeah, like, it, it, it just people just, you know, didn't have high expectations. And, and therefore, um, it made me think, uh, I, I wanna say I didn't think low of myself, but I didn't have high expectations at all. And so, me not thinking that, I would be much, or amount to much. Um, it kind of have made me have an empathy and a sympathy for anyone who is looked down upon. Um, so I've always, I've always picked interns that, you know, that, you know, want a shot, never got a shot. Um, and I can see, I just see potential. I see people's potential. I always see, and it doesn't matter if the person is doing really well or their the person is. Uh, just starting out, I just have this ability to see more in, in someone, uh, and and uh, that's my superhero superhero power. Man, is like I I mean like for example, there's a lady that's on my team now. She wasn't she wasn't doing um, any writing at all. Like and I was just like, didn't told you you're a great writer? Mm-hmm. And she now writes all the copy for different things we do. For our, actually, for our pod, shout out to Angel. She writes a copy for our <laughs> podcast um, because nobody ever took the time to notice her gifts. Yeah. And she do just people just do things and and um, and so that's what that's what it is for me. And then on top of that, I'm a teacher. So so and that's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm teaching people about their own potential, their own ability. And so man, that's what I say, man.
0: Have you ever has that ever been because I always say our biggest strength is our biggest weakness mm-hmm. Has that ever been where you saw some you saw what you saw there was no doubt that you saw mm-hmm. it, but they weren't ready to receive that from you or from anybody oh, man. and even like I don't think you'd be disappointed because you again you saw what you saw, but were you like, damn where's the where's the where do I draw the line between seeing the treasure but them not knowing? Cause like my old boss was supposed to say like pearls before casting pearls before swine right. right so like they don't know what it is and they kind of they drop your ball that you're trying to give them has that happened oh
1: yeah plenty plenty of times so like like with anything right there's a gift there's a gift and a curse within every gift you know there's a strength in every weakness there's a weakness in every strength yeah and um, I think that. Part of the problem when you when you do that is you're too trusting because you 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 you'll bring in people that people would normally say nah I ain't, don't come near me my business my family my stuff and it's and that's kind of how I got in trouble mm-hmm. because I would kick it around with people that people didn't think were any value to society though I didn't see them like At that At early age or early no. earlier age oh, gotcha. um, but now I'd say I've done that I made that mistake in in business partnerships. Business relationships, um, where I saw something in someone that maybe they didn't get a shot, or I'm like, okay, let me bring them on, and then I give them a shot, and though there is the potential there, they're not willing to put the work in to mm-hmm. take it to the next level, mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah, that's the converse where where it, it doesn't it doesn't al- doesn't always work out. So uh, you're right, man. It's like it's not it's not uh, our gifts aren't, aren't aren't flawless. No,
0: they're not. Bullet- mm-hmm. That's the thing, like. You you're not walking around with a bulletproof vest on. Right. Even Superman had kryptonite, there right? You and so, understanding, like, yeah, you might have this, like, tremendous ability to do X, but it's also going to be an Achilles heel for you if right. you rely on it too much of a crutch. So, um, you know, I think the, the, the key thing is trust and believe the path, but also understand, like, there's going to be ebbs and flows, you know, and... And that's a that's a tremendous gift though to, to see treasure and trash. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother.
1: Thanks, brother.
0: So, what yeah. does treasure look like? I mean, like yeah. if they already if they already
1: polished, do you right. like see the next level, or is it just like yeah, oh, you already? I there do. I do try- just see the next level in somebody. Like yeah. like I just see um, people beyond where they even like. I'm, 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 I'm like one of the things we do is we help people with online courses, yeah. and i always tell me this stat which I learned from the John Maxwell Foundation people have so much expertise in them but they think because I'm not on the top of the mountain in, in my area I'm not the authority the foremost they think that they don't have any value to give sometimes and John Maxwell broke this down and I'm not advocating that you only get 10% more than your audience but if you know 10% more than your audience you're considered an expert right. because I'm not going to go learn the next 10% that I need. I'm not saying... I'm not... Listeners, I'm not advocating you only get 10%. I, I advise you get way, 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 way more than that. Yeah. But but my point is, some people don't think they have any value. So... And, and that's, that's from people that are, you know, high level, that are CEOs. They may get to a certain level, but they still don't think... Sadly, I've, I've worked with tr- trauma psychologists. I've worked with um, some really amazing people that are amazing. They still... Out their own greatness. Mm-hmm. And um, and so yeah, it works, it works both ways. It works where somebody doesn't see it at all, somebody has it, but they're afraid to share it. Mm-hmm. It works in multiple ways. So that's why this whole discovery, develop, distribute. I'm so passionate about it because if you discover your gift, you master your gift, and the last piece that we talked about, you distribute your gift, then then you can add your, you can take what's inside you and, and share it with the world and, and take that treasure
0: that's inside you everybody has yeah. has treasure oh yeah for sure that's dope mm-hmm. man I think uh, that 10% piece is crazy because it's yeah. one of the one of the Achilles heels of like consulting or being like a um, an industry or like knowledge base is that they're so quick to try to give 30% of the info or 50% of the info and what I learned is people can probably only handle the ten percent. True. So it's like true. The, I don't know the, the maxwell that you're referencing, but John, yeah. Well, I, I know. The, I mean, I'm in mean the person, but I don't know like the piece that you're referencing. Right. But maybe it's you only need the ten percent because it's all that they can stomach, mm. right? Because you know we try to we try to give certain things, and like we we had this post on Sunday, Saturday. It was It was an. Uh, it, was an ex, it was an expression. It was like one to the 365th power is still just one. But mm. well, <laughs> 1.01 to the 365th power is 37. Ooh. all it took was a tenth of a percent of effort to um, to make exponential growth mm. over 365 days. So yeah, doing the same thing every day, you're not gonna see any growth. But if you just change one tenth, like, you know what I mean, of yeah. the things that you're doing, or one actually one hundredth, right? Mm-hmm. 0.01. So if you change one hundredth of the things that you're doing mm-hmm. every day for 365 days, you would have grown exponentially. And it got like a thousand likes. Look at that. And if people probably didn't even. People probably don't even know how to read <laughs> exponents, <experience. laughs> but I could have. We could have said that another way. We could have said that another way, and it got like 20 likes because it was just too much information. Ooh,
1: that's
0: good. Right. That's good. And Ooh. so the 10% thing, like you said, just like as the human brain, the human psyche, the human ego can only take for so much. That's,
1: that's a great point, Matt. You know because. What I also think about it too is that even if you think about products, right? Like most products, most services are for the beginner market. It, it's not for the advanced. It's not for the inter, uh, intermediate. It's it's not for that high level Man. understanding. Like uh, you're gonna get a, 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 um, cooking for dummies, right? <laughs> like like you know what I mean? Baking for dummies. Whatever you whatever you can think about, it's usually the the beginner market. That's Man. where most. Products are sold it's in the cons- first place. That's what consumers yeah. consume. Yeah. You know?
0: That's that's consumption is such a visceral act to begin with. Mm-hmm. So the same reason why, again, I'm not picking on it, but the same reason why somebody would be like, oh you're 20, you can do my paperwork for me tax wise. Yeah. They're just consuming. They're not even thinking, like, wait, do you even like <laughs> what would you?" What knowledge What germane knowledge Do you have To this To this And so You know again That's the perfect ratio Like to the person He This kid Might have Might just know One more thing Than this person knows And that's enough For them to pay him
1: True So you you know This power can be used for good And it can can also be used for you You know what I'm saying Like Like I, I, that's why I say People like Getting way more knowledge But what you serve To the client May not be Be uh, You know You might have 50% more But you serve The 10% more You serve yeah, What you, gotta, you have You gotta, know what I mean gotta, you, you want to elevate service. yourself Always give yourself more But you, your service Right May not be Too much more Than they can handle you know, And yeah. that's
0: where That's where consultants Fall in yeah. Fall in Prey Because they try to give So much To yeah. prove the value But then they miss on the marketing mm-hmm. Right And it's like You know The artists Do the same thing Right You know They're like I don't want to say this In the marketing Right But then they have A hard time selling Cause they think They gotta be true To the art mm. Like what Those two things Are Completely different That's real You know And so like With consultants They try to give So much knowledge And Prove right So often That is very hard for people to understand like what the hell is even going on to begin with. That's real.
1: (laughs) Man, you're so right. You know what's ironic, man, is like, uh, because one of my my guests is is teaching and my sales in the business grew when I stopped teaching so much. Yeah. I started telling stories that taught the lesson because when I taught, it was like I gave too much information and Mm -hmm. too much content. People were like, oh, okay, so I just need to learn this, 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 and that. And then, they don't buy the buy the buy the uh, product or uh, maybe the service. Maybe they didn't yeah.
0: understand what the hell was going exactly. on. Exactly,
1: <laughs> I did them a disservice by teaching too much in certain things, and yeah. like, and so I realized that, like, look, you're talking about, there is an inverse to to all our gifts that mm-hmm. we have to watch out for.
0: Yeah I think the best, uh, like Einstein said, it, like if you can't teach it to a kindergartner, you don't know it yourself.
1: Ooh, right, and so
0: it was, those things are always like ever present I think mean, people people commend us a lot about our your business in sixty seconds and like you break it down like so easily and I don't know if I do or do it. Oh don't. yeah you
1: do, bro. Everybody and check that
0: out. So it's I don't know if I do or don't but again just based off of the questions people ask, we're like, yo, let's make this video FAQ And, you know, people kinda of fell in love with it. But again it was it was a far cry from like trying to like explain to people every day like oh this, this and that so yeah i mean no that, that john maxwell is pretty dope like that's imp- i never thought of it like that but it, it is a, there is a science behind it because the human brain really can't comprehend i mean think about think about what you understand now and then think that there's Whatever you know now, there's an exponential amount of information that you don't know. I can't tell you the 20% that you don't know because you haven't even gotten to the first 10% that you don't know. Right. How the hell are you going to understand this other 10? you not. You're not. you <laughs> <You're not. laughs> like, I mean, you could be the smartest guy in the world, but there's some stuff that you just don't know.
1: Right.
0: That's real. And you're going to be like, damn, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> well... Oh, I forgot, I gotta teach you this other 10 first right. So you can comprehend the 20 percentile
1: Exactly
0: I mean, it's it's crazy oh,
1: Man, dude Such a pleasure, bro Yeah, like, always, wow, always, wow. always I can't wait for people to hear yeah. this and, uh, and, and benefit from this wisdom, man So, you know, we gotta do this again. Yeah, anytime, my brother All right, bro. appreciate you Appreciate you uh,
0: uh, I searched all over the first. world Struggling to find it
1: Then I met my boy, David E. Simon. Yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simon.